What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Friday, June 25th, man. I hope all you guys had a nice, productive, and successful week this past week. Hopefully, all you guys have a nice and enjoyable weekend, man. I'm praying for all you guys. I'm sending all you guys love. Just keep doing your thing. Keep pushing in the right direction. And I promise you, everything is going to work out. I promise you, just keep doing what you're doing, man. But of course, we are still in the middle of a pandemic, so I gotta please tell you guys to please wash your hands as much as possible to keep the virus from getting on your hands and especially your face. If you can, please wear a mask anytime you are outside, surrounded by a large group, crowd, or gathering, or in a public area or public space. And lastly, but certainly not least, because it is the summertime, please go outside and get some ultraviolet rays, aka sunlight on your skin, because I promise you the sun kills all viruses and the coronavirus is not excluded from that list and of course we are still demanding justice for brianna taylor we are still demanding justice for elijah mcclain we are still demanding justice for jacob blake and we're going to continue to demand justice for anybody out there that has been a victim of police brutality or even worse police murderings it simply needs to and it must stop point blank period but man I know it's been a minute since I talked to you guys. The last podcast that I made was earlier this week. Please forgive me for that, but we are back. And let's just get right into it. So on Wednesday night, in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Atlanta Hawks took on the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee. And the Hawks got the job done in Game 1, winning the game by a score of 116-113. to 113. Now, Game 2 is actually tonight. So I want to talk about Game 1 a little bit and talk about some adjustments that both teams could do going into tonight's game. But getting into the box score real quickly for the Bucks, Giannis had 34 points. 12 rebounds and 9 assists. Drew Holiday probably had his best playoff game in a Bucks uniform, scoring 33 points and adding in 10 assists. Chris Middleton had 15 points. He struggled. He shot 6-23 from the field. And then, on the other side for the Hawks, Ice Trey, Trey Young, man, scored a playoff career high 48 points. But not only did he do that, he shot the ball 17-34, which is 50% from the field. So think about that. He scored almost 50 points, and he shot 50% from the field and also to mention he had 11 assists on top of that too so think about that and then John Collins had 23 points who shot 11 to 16 from the field he also added in 15 rebounds and then the X factor of game one who I think is honestly probably going to be the X factor for the Hawks if they want to win this series Clint Capella had 12 points in a playoff career high 19 rebounds so man early on in game one, you know, I suspected that Drew Holiday was going to take the task of guarding Trey Young. That's obvious. It is what it is. But I noticed from the Hawks' point of view, Nate McMillan and his staff, I clearly seen as soon as game one started that their game plan was to let the Bucks take all the perimeter shots that they wanted to, but just keep their players out of the paint. We all know Giannis loves to get into the paint. That's where he's best at. That's where he's most dominant at. So you got to keep him from getting inside the paint, which is much, much more easier said than done. But I seen that they were doing that, and it forced the Bucks to take a lot of really tough shots. Luckily, Drew Holiday was really good shooting the ball. I think he shot like 5 of 12 from the three-point line. So he had an excellent shooting night from the outside, but everybody else kind of struggled. Like, they lived with Chris Middleton taking those tough, you know, contested mid-range pulls that he loves to take, that he's used to taking, and honestly, it's probably his favorite shot. But they live with him taking that shot. And so, on the other end, though, the thing that's been concerning Bucks fans this entire playoff run so far is they continue to run that drop coverage with Brooke Lopez 
coming off the pick and roll. You cannot do that with players like Kevin Durant, and you definitely cannot do that with a player like Trey Young. And he was cooking off that from the three-point line to getting to his floater to making lob passes to John Collins and Clint Capella. Trey Young is so good operating off the pick and roll, and if you don't make him work coming off the screen, then he's going to kill you every single time, you know, nine times out of ten. You cannot live with him getting into the lane and getting comfortable because once he does that, his confidence is going to go sky high, and that's pretty much what happened. He had complete control. You know, I noticed Bogdanovich, you know, he's been dealing with some knee soreness going back to last year's first Philly. He was kind of slow, so he barely played like that. You know, he was his knee was definitely bothering him. He didn't really get any lift on his jumper, and that was kind of concerning. Also, Giannis at the center position works wonders for the Milwaukee Bucks. Mike Boonholzer needs to incorporate that much more. I've seen they kind of experimented with that um, in the last series versus Brooklyn, but it works really, really well for the Bucks, and I think they should do it much more. And, the, and fans and people of the game have been saying this for a long time, that when you put Giannis at the five, it allows him to have all the space in the world to operate because he's the only non-shooter usually in those lineups. And so everybody else is four other guys are lined up on the three-point line ready to shoot just in case you know Giannis gets cut off or he picks up his dribble. So you got to be careful if you're the Bucks because that lineup works. Like, I don't know... If you can play Brooke Lopez as much as you would like to, I know he's a big part of this team. I know he's a defensive anchor, but I just think if you just put Giannis at the five and, you know, even if you put Bobby Portis at the four or PJ Tucker at the four, that lineup works wonders every single time. But the thing that I loved about this game, the most outside of Trey Young being Trey Young and having a spectacular performance was that, as I just mentioned, Drew Holiday had his best playoff game so far in a Milwaukee Buck uniform. He was hot from three. He was getting to the rack, you know, off the screen and roll. He was making really good decisions. He wasn't hesitating. He was just living inside the paint. Again, even though he made five three-pointers, that's not usually his game. He's not really an outside shooter like that. Like, he likes to get towards the rim and either try and dunk on you. He had, like, a couple dunks in this game with the left hand, or he likes to just, you know, get a little crafty with the layups. And so he played excellent and also Bobby Portis minutes were successful on both ends I really love Bobby Portis because he's an active big man that can switch that can space out the floor that does a little bit of everything and he just gives them a different type of energy every single time that he steps on the floor and I think that's big for Milwaukee if they want to win this series which I'm pretty sure they do Bobby Portis needs to play more but getting into the actual game as it you know went down to the wire in the third quarter Trey Young man he had two incredible plays. I think the first one, this dude faked the screen, crossed over Drew Holiday, left him in the dust, and before he shot the three-point three-pointer, this dude shimmied on the team. And then he shot the ball and it went in. And then he had another play where he went baseline off of John Collins handoff slash pick and roll. And as it looked like he was about to shoot a floater, he threw the ball off the backboard and John Collins dunked it, which was a lob, and it was just nasty. And I've seen him do that before, but to see him doing that on a stage like the Eastern Conference Finals against a really good defensive team in the Milwaukee Bucks just shows you how good, how comfortable the type of work that Trey Young has put in because that's not anything that you just do in the middle of a game. Like, if you're a coach, you're not advising your players to throw the ball off the backboard for a, a lob attempt. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not really doing that ever. That's a rare sighting, but that's just how good Trey Young is, man. He was playing really well. And also, another guy that stepped up in this game was Danilo Gallinari. He had a couple big-time shots that I was like, usually, you know, Gallo has always been an excellent scorer in the league, 
but you don't ever rarely see him take the shot type of shots that he took in that game one. Like he had like a behind the back step back that he shot over PJ Tucker and he hit it. You know, a couple other good pe uh, plays where he just made the defense pay and he kept them pretty much in the game. Every time it seemed like the Bucks were about to go on the run, you know, either Trey made a play or Gallo made a play every single time. And Gallo was big for them. And also, as it came down to the wire, at this point in time, the Hawks were down four. You know, they get an offensive rebound. Trey drives. He kicks it to the corner where John Collins is at. He hits a three in the corner, which probably was the biggest play of the game. And I just feel like that play right there, it gave them a new life and a new energy and a new sense of confidence because it looked like they were about to lose. I think they were down seven with like seven minutes left. But when that play happened and they went down one, I could just tell that the momentum was swinging in favor of the Hawks. And that was a big shot. That shot was literally... You know, he put him down one with literally probably like two minutes left in the game. And then pretty much the real game winner was, I believe, Trey missed a floater in the lane. And they were down one at the time. And Clint Capella got the rebound, put it back up. And I think it was like 50 seconds left in the game. And it just got really ugly. And pretty much, you know, Trey had a float. He had a yeah, the missed floater. Clint Capella put it back up. And then it, it's where, this is where it got tricky because I've been on this podcast saying before, that the Bucks do not need to let Chris Middleton close games. The closer for the Milwaukee Bucks should be Drew Holiday. I don't care how much uh, he lacks when it comes to perimeter shooting. The reason I say that is because as, as good as Chris Middleton is, I think he is an elite level player in the NBA. I think he's a bucket getter. He is that. But the problem with him is that, one, he doesn't have like a killer crossover. And two, he doesn't have blow by speed, meaning like he doesn't have a crazy quick first step. And so it means that's harder for him to get past defenders. And that's the biggest thing and the biggest reason why he loves to settle for those mid-range jumpers because he's not the fastest, quickest dude out there. So he tends to settle for that mid-range jumper looking like Kobe. And it's just a tough shot. And so they went down to Chris Middleton twice in the first time. He went baseline and he kicked it to Pat Connaughton, which I don't know why he did that. He should have just kept the ball in his hands and tried to take the layup because it looked like he had a good angle at the rim. But instead of taking the layup, he kicked it to the opposite wing. Pat Connaughton caught it, airballed. I think then Trey Young hit both free throws. And then they came back at the time the Hawks were up three. Came back, they drew up a play on the inbound, sideline out of bounds. Chris Middleton put up a contested shot. And it looked like it almost got blocked, but instead he puts it up and it kind of like almost looks like it's about to go in. It rims out and then Atlanta gets the win. And right there, I could tell because I'm not even going to make a prediction on this series because I just think, honestly, either team has a legitimate shot at winning. Like, I truly believe that, but I'm just not a big fan of Chris Middleton closing games. Let Drew Holiday close games. It's been two instances this year that I've seen with my own two eyes. The first one was literally right before the All-Star break. The Bucks were playing in Memphis, and for some reason, you know, the Bucks didn't have any timeouts, and they were down, I think, like one at the time, and pretty much Budenholzer just said, give the ball to Drew and try and go get us a bucket, and what happened? He went full court. He did like a step-back move on Dylan Brooks. He raised up and fired it and hit it and got the win for the Bucks. and then another instance was, I think it was uh, game three or game four. I think it was game three when Drew against the uh, Nets, when Drew had that spin move layup to win the game. In Milwaukee. So I'm just like, when you have a player like that that you can rely upon in the in the clutch time and you don't have to call a timeout for them to run a play, you can just tell them, go get us a bucket, we need a bucket. Why wouldn't you put it in that guy's hands? Like, yes, again, I like Chris Middleton, but I do not trust him in the clutch. I do not want him trying to take a game-winning shot. And I know he's hit him before. I know he hit one in game one versus us, my, my, my Miami Heat in game one. 
But still, I just rather live with Drew Holiday taking those shots. I just truly believe in him in the clutch. But honestly, I'm not going to lie. The Hawks did their job. Their job is to get one win in these first two games. So they're already good. Even if they lose tonight, it's a a 1-1 series. They did their job. They won one game on the opponent's home floor. That's all that you can ask for. Now, if they get tonight's game, that would be big too. Do not get it twisted. But if you're the Bucks, though, you kind of messed up because, first of all, not only did you waste another Giannis big-time performance, but you wasted another Drew Holiday big-time performance. Not even another. You wasted Drew Holiday's biggest performance, and that's concerning because you can't and you shouldn't expect Drew Holiday to go off for 33 and 10 assists Again, like he can get you 20 and 6 assists, which is what he should be doing. But to ask him to give you 30 and 10 assists again, it's realistic, but it's just not it's not going to be sustainable. And so I'm just like, you got to be smart because also the, the last thing that you wanted to do, what you did was give this Hawks team any more confidence than they than they had. Because, of course, they beat the Sixers in seven games. They're riding high off that. They beat the, the Knicks in the first round in five games. This team is uber confident. They believe in themselves. They play together. And Nate McMillan and his staff have done a really good job of preaching to their players and their players being receptive and buying into what they're preaching. This team, as great as Trey Young was in this game, the team as a whole played excellent from, again, Gallinari, Clint Capella, John Collins, even Kevin Herter played good. He didn't go crazy. I think he had like 12 points or something like that, but he didn't have a great game, but he just played solid enough to help his team win. Even Solomon Hill, he came in the game and had a big time dunk off off a fake handoff and just gave the team a big time momentum boost. You know what I'm saying? So this team is riding high off a whole lot of confidence right now. And I think the Bucs are probably going to end up winning tonight's game. But if they want to do that, the biggest thing, and I think I mentioned this a couple podcasts ago, but when you're playing against a guy like Trey Young, who's both a great scorer and a great passer, you have a couple different players like that in the league, like LeBron and Luka and the Joker. When it's guys like that that you're facing against, first of all, you can't double team them. But what you can do is you have to force them to become a scorer because when you do that, you can live with them giving you 30 and trying to get the win. But you cannot live with them being a playmaker and getting everybody else the ball and getting them good shots. Because if you do that, that means you're giving up more options to get cooked. And you don't want to do that. So you got to force those guys to become scorers and less playmakers. Make them take those tough shots, but do not let everybody else get involved. You cannot let Bogdanovich go off. You cannot let Gallinari hit those big-time shots. You got to close off Lou Will. You know what I'm saying? You cannot let these players get any type of rhythm or any t- or let them be comfortable at all. You have to let Trey score. Let Trey be a scorer. Now, you got to make it tough on him. And I give Drew credit because after Trey Young hit the shimmy, Drew Holiday turned up, and his defense got much better. He forced Trey into a couple different turnovers and tough shots. Like, Giannis had a bad foul from past the three-point line, but Drew Holiday did a really good job at the end of the game after Trey Young hit the shimmy in the third quarter of containing Trey Young. And luckily, the Hawks were still able to pull out this win. So they got to be careful going into tonight's game. They shouldn't be too nervous because they're playing in a home game, but they're going to need other guys to step up. They're going to need Brent Forbes to hit some shots. They're going to need Pat Content to hit some shots. They're going to need P.J. Tucker to hit a few shots. Giannis has been playing good the entire playoffs. 
Drew Hyde has been playing excellent on defense the entire playoffs. You're going to need Chris Middleton to be consistent on the offensive end and not just settle for those tough shots. Sometimes you got to force your will and get to that free throw line. You cannot just continue to settle because the mid-range shot is the toughest shot in basketball. But once you master it, which Chris Middleton is almost close to mastering it, it's a layup. But right now, it's just it's it's a shot, but it's not consistent enough. He's had too many games in the playoffs where he plays excellent one game and then he takes a big step back another game. And the Bucks just can't have that because if that happens, that's what happens. Things like game one happen. You lose a game. And so I'm probably going to take the Bucks in tonight's game. I love this Hawks team though, man. I cannot rave enough about this Hawks team. Trey Young, in my eyes, is officially a superstar. I actually made a tweet a couple weeks ago where I said, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, and Luka Doncic are on a tier by themselves as the best young players in the NBA. But I got to change that and say Trey Young is now on that same tier as Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, and Luka Doncic. And probably maybe Donovan Mitchell too, but Trey Young is definitely there. He's arrived. He's that dude. He's been doing it for a while. I remember watching him back when he was playing with Mo Can Elite all the way to the University of Oklahoma. And now with the Hawks, he's done it at a high level every single place that he's played at. You got to give this dude his credit. He is the truth. But moving on, I want to get to two coaching hires that took place this past week. I'm not going to talk about the Dallas Mavericks because I'm going to say that for next week. And honestly, I just do not feel like talking about that right now because it's a lot going on in that situation. But first, I'm going to talk about the Pacers. So the Pacers, I believe yesterday, maybe two days ago, they announced that they will be hiring longtime Hall of Fame head coach Rick Carlisle as their newest head coach after firing Nate Yorkgren this past season after one long season after losing the locker room and not connecting with his players. He's done for now as a head coach in this league. But Rick Carlisle is definitely an upgrade. So they signed him to a four-year, $29 million deal. And this is an excellent hire for the Pacers. Of course, Rick Carlisle played for the Celtics back in the 80s, developing a long-time relationship with former Pacers executive and, of course, NBA legend slash Hall of Famer Larry Bird. You know, Carlisle actually coached the Pacers in the early 2000s from 2003 to 2007. And he's pretty much been in Dallas for the past 13 seasons. So I actually love this hiring for them because what people don't understand is that the Pacers have a beautifully constructed roster. Give Kevin Pritchard and that entire Pacers front office a round of applause because, yes, they were wrong for firing Nate McMillan, but we all see where Nate McMillan is at currently. He's in the Eastern Conference Finals. But the way that they've constructed this team, the Pacers have probably the most secret big three in the league between Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, and DeMontis Sabonis. And I can't even forget, I'm not going to say he's part of the big three, but I love Miles Turner, Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, TJ Warren, all these different dudes that they had. I think they're probably going to end up losing TJ McConnell, which is kind of a tough loss, but you know, they got Jeremy Lamb. The only thing that really hurt them this past season and why they didn't make the playoffs, even though they made the play in, was the fact that, again, they lost control of the locker room because of their head coach. The players didn't buy in, and mostly the players were hurt. I think TJ Warren was hurt for like almost the entire season, if I'm not mistaken. Same thing with Jeremy Lamb. So they were banged up, but this team is really, really good. I like this team a lot. I think Rick Carlisle is going to make and turn Malcolm Brogdon into the best version of Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon is one of the best two-way guards in the league. He has he has it. He has the goods on both offense and defense. I think Karis LeVert is a star in this league. And I think he's only scratched the surface because he's been hurt for the past few years. And so, yeah, he's going to have to stay healthy. But when he's healthy, 
Karis LeVert is the truth. I've seen him in the playoffs a couple different times, going back to Brooklyn, even last year in the bubble when he was by himself without KD or Kyrie and he was by himself playing against the Toronto Raptors. I know I think they probably got swept, but Karis LeVert was carrying that team and he was getting buckets against a really good NBA defense. So, so I believe in this team. Now, do I think they're going to be a top five seed in the East? No, because the East is only going to get better. I'm going to be honest. You got the, the Nets coming back next year. The Hawks are still going to be really good. Of course, the Bucks are always going to be good in the regular season. I think my Heat are going to come back even better. You know, it's a couple other teams on the rise, like the Hornets. So you got to watch out for these teams. But I like this hire. This is a big-time hire for the Indiana Pacers. Rick Carlisle took the perfect job in a perfect situation with a really good team. And the Pacers, they, they might have something. They, they really, truly might have something. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how they tweak this roster, if they tweak this roster, or if they just play out this season and see what they have or what happens. But all in all, I think Rick Car Carlisle is going to get the best out of his players. I truly believe it. I know he's an old-school head coach, but I just think with the way that things went down for this Pacers team this past season, as tumultuous as it was, he's going to get the best out of these guys. So congrats to the Pacers fans out there. Trust me, this is an excellent head or excuse me, head coaching hire. Lastly, before I get you guys out of here, the Celtics hired their newest head coach, and I'm a big fan of this hiring, man. I know you guys probably know me. I am not a big Boston Celtics fan, even though I do appreciate the skill sets that are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But this hiring of Ime Udoka to the Boston Celtics is a phenomenal head coaching hire. First of all, He's the first Nigerian head coach in NBA history. That alone deserves a standing ovation. Also, though, Udoka spent five years playing in the NBA. He played with the Blazers, the Spurs, the Knicks, and the Kings. And for the past nine years, he's been an assistant coach for the 76ers, the Spurs, where he won a championship under Coach Popovich in 2014. And most recently, this past year, he coached Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden as an assistant coach under Steve Nash for the Brooklyn Nets. So he is a longtime assistant coach in this league. A head coaching uh, job for him was only going to be a matter of time. And I love this because, one, he actually coached as an assistant coach under Coach Popovich, I believe, in the FIBA World Cup in 2019. He coached Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So he already has a well-established relationship between the Celtics star duo, and I love that for them. And I think this is the perfect hire because... I know Celtics fans out there were thinking about considering trying to get Rick Carlisle, but that's not what you needed as a head coach for the team that you have currently constructed. What you needed was a younger, more relatable head coach that can get the best out of these guys and develop them in this league and someone that you can keep around for a decade plus. So I, I love this hiring. And don't forget to mention either, Udoka's actually married to Nia Long. So that's a win in itself. But nonetheless, though, this is the perfect hiring, man. I, I truly love this hiring. I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were very complimentary of this hiring. I think they had a big voice in this hiring. And give Brad Stevens some credit, man. Brad Stevens has done a pretty good job so far as president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. Ime Udoka, I expect them to have a lot of success. Now, they're going to have to tweak the roster a little bit, and they've already gotten off to a really good job by trading away Kemba Walker and getting back Al Horford, who's going to be a really good player for them, and he's pretty much another leader on the team. But, you know, Al Horford's going to get the best out of Robert Williams. You're probably going to have to trade Tristan Thompson. If I'm the Celtics, I'm not trading Marcus Smart. I know it's been reported for a while now that, you know, Celtics fans want to trade Marcus Smart. Some don't, some do. 
I wouldn't trade Marcus Smart. I think you can honestly one day win a championship with Marcus Smart. He's been there for his entire career. You know, he's the heart and soul of that team. You just can't trade a guy like that. You you know, you possibly sh should have traded him in that deal for Kemba, but luckily you were able to keep him and not trade him. So really, you should keep Marcus Smart on that team. The biggest thing now is that you need a point guard. You need, need, need a point guard. I think that was the biggest problem with this past Celtics team this past season was that their best playmaker was Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart is a good playmaker, but if you want to be a championship team, Marcus Smart cannot be your best playmaker. He can be your secondary playmaker. He could be your third best playmaker, but you cannot let him be your best playmaker. And to be honest too, though, to be fair, I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, as young as they are, they're only going to get better when it comes to that department of playmaking. So honestly, the Celtics are fine. They are moving in the right direction. Ime Udoka should have a lot of success. I'm happy for the dude. I'm rooting for him as a fellow black man. This is beautiful, man. This is truly inspirational. I'm glad for him. I'm happy for him. He's coached plenty of NBA All-Stars throughout his you know, tenure as an assistant coach. And I think him getting this job is going to be huge for all you know future black coaches out there, man. So congrats to Ime Udoka. Shout out to Rick Carlisle. And as always, I appreciate you guys, man. This has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast. Shout out to Nuts and Bolts Sports. I'm a college basketball writer slash blogger slash journalist. Featured alongside a whole bunch of other really talented writers slash blogger slash journalists. We are at Nuts and Bolts SP on both Twitter and Instagram. Please go follow us. Go like our stuff. Go comment our stuff. Go retweet our stuff for all your sports news and needs. I promise you guys, Nuts and Bolts Sports has it for you. I am also featured on Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network along a whole bunch of other really talented content creators and podcast hosts so please go check us out on our long list of sports podcasts we got them all day long for you guys man but i appreciate you guys man as always this has been another episode of the kevo bands hoops podcast please like comment subscribe rate review and share and if you listen to my podcast on apple podcast please leave a rate and review that's how we share grow and expand the podcast and by the way I wanted to say someone actually left a comment on Apple podcast about who did my cover art for my podcast. And to that person, it's this guy named how draws on Instagram, literally H O W D R A W S on Instagram. Go check him out. He's done a phenomenal job. He's a great artist. Please go check him out. I promise you he got you guys, but as always, I appreciate you guys. Peace and love gone.